Man, that was powerful. You know, there's nothing more exhausting than trying to measure up and having no idea what the measurement is. And if you've had a background in any religious experience and what you just heard sounds a little bit different, don't wait to respond to Jesus today. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, there's grace for you. Go ahead and just tell them, around the room, tell them there's grace for you. If you're all jacked up, you're in the right spot. We don't need to measure up because Jesus measured up for us. All we've got to do is trust in him. And so I'm really excited to share this, this word today. If we haven't met, my name's Pastor West. It's a privilege to have your attention this morning. You're joining us in the room and online. We're just so thankful that you're here in whatever capacity you can be. Uh, you know, it was Benjamin Franklin that said, our, our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. But let's just go ahead and add to the list relational conflict. Relational conflict, death, taxes, and conflict. Welcome to life. Some of you just got so discouraged. But here's the good news. Uh, we have something that we've developed called the Traveler's Path. You'll see that on the screen behind me. And my promise to you is that if you repeatedly do these five habits, uh, you will have a more enjoyable, fulfilling, and effective life. And so we finished uh, the section on how to worship wholeheartedly. And today we're going to continue talking about what it means to connect intentionally to connect intentionally. Just like the Constitution that appeared to promise permanency, we need some guidelines and commitments established in relationships to repair them. It's like if, if we were relating to each other but had no standards of how we should treat each other, that would be a mess, wouldn't it? So we could also just continue hoping for the best and doing whatever we want in the moment. Uh, I was playing some sports uh, with my kids in the backyard just yesterday, and you know we were trying to kick the soccer ball past each other. And our yard's not very big, so it's pretty easy to do. You know, a big fence behind me, and we're like 15 feet apart. Uh, but we try to have a lot of fun. I've got a six-four and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and. If I'm ever being a little bit too difficult, like I'm winning too much because I'm competitive even though my kids are little and I shouldn't be, uh, then one of my kids will make up a new rule. And so yesterday Silas said, if I throw this baseball and hit the fence, I get 15 points. I'm like, dude, that's not fair at all. That's not fair at all. But that's exactly what we do in relationships sometimes. And so uh, today we're going to talk about how to repair relational roadblocks, to repair relational roadblocks. The first thing I want you to know is that you're not alone in your relational conflict. The most spiritually attuned people have the same problems. And so if it ever appears like you're sort of isolated and your mess doesn't relate to everybody else's mess, uh, let me just tell you, that's not true. We all have relational messes. And I wanna show you two pictures of relational brokenness and reconciliation from God's word. Check this out in Acts chapter 15. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and this is a story about him in a relationship. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. In other words, this guy had ditched him once, and so he's like, let me not give him another chance. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What does this mean? It's just an anecdotal sentence in God's word today, but it relates so much to our life. See, even Paul had relationships that got in difficult spots. 
But check this out. Towards the end of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. See, God can fix anything. And we can also be at odds with one another and still love each other and part ways for a time. It's very difficult, though, to do this while maintaining an attitude that's open to reconciliation and forgiveness, even when it's not possible. But that is what we're called to do. Let me show you one more picture in case you think only men have the conflict. Here's a couple ladies. How about that? Uh, Philippians 4, 2 through 5, he says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Sintik to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. They've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now look at the attitude he encourages us towards. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I bet you didn't know that verse was in a passage about conflict. Let your reasonableness be known by everyone. Are you a reasonable person? Are you quick to forgive? Or is it easier to hold grudges? Wherever you're coming from today, let's work on it together. We're going to need God's help. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Jesus, we sang about the ultimate conflict that you've already settled. It's from a place of being deeply forgiven that we're able to repair relational roadblocks. Without that, there would be no point. So we thank you for reconciling us back to God by the blood of the cross of Christ. And we thank you that this makes it possible for us to repair anything on earth. We pray you would help us have the wisdom and the courage to apply God's word to our lives and our hearts today. In Jesus' name, let's agree and say amen. So why does resolving conflict matter? I mean, hopefully you already know, but in case you don't, uh, this is a really important scriptural principle. Uh, it's kind of shocking, actually, when you look at this. The Bible actually says if we don't resolve conflict, God won't forgive us. That's a weighty statement, isn't it? This is what it says in Matthew 18, 21. It says, Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Maybe seven times. And Jesus said, I don't say seven, but 77 times. And then he goes on to tell a story about an unforgiving servant. Uh, one, uh, two guys owed a lot. And he goes to his master and he's in big trouble. And the one guy is forgiven of all of his debt. But then the one who's forgiven goes and doesn't forgive a guy who owes him money. And he gets in big trouble with God. In Matthew 18, 35, it says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. That's the ending of that parable, and it's talking about eternal separation from God. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. You say, well, I don't have to earn salvation. That's true. But the fruit of salvation is forgiveness for others. The fruit of being truly understanding of all Jesus has forgiven you of is a natural outflow to want to forgive others, even when it's hard, even when the world says you shouldn't, even when it doesn't make any sense, even if they're going to wound you again. It doesn't mean you've got to be best friends, but you have to forgive 
or you don't understand the forgiveness of Jesus. And then you might say, well, I heard that, but how does it affect me and those around me? If we don't resolve conflict, we become a poison to ourselves and everyone around us. We become a poison. Bitterness is the worst condition you can have just about on this earth. Listen to these three scriptures, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. That's actually possible. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. In other words, settle that thing quick. When you're mad, when you've got a, a problem with somebody, settle it quick. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. A root of bitterness. You get to choose, church, what kind of root you'll be connected to. I preached recently about the vine and the branches, where you can be connected to Jesus in complete forgiveness and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Or you can be connected to a root of bitterness and bear the fruit of bitterness. And finally, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Uh, see, we just learned bitterness infects every part of you and everyone around you. But there, here it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That's reasonable. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you, so you shall forgive. The opposite of bitterness is forgiveness. The antidote of bitter feelings is dwelling upon God's forgiveness. Easy to preach, hard to do. Right? Hard to do. So I want to give you one thing to remember today. Just one. If you want to remember anything else, good for you. I mean, it'll help you, but I want to give you one sentence to remember today. You ready for that? Are you with me? I want to make sure. It's going to go on the screen, but let me say it first in a different way and then, and then on the screen. Uh, my number one rule for resolving conflict is like this. The quickness with which we perceive and resolve conflict is directly related to relational health. The quickness with which we perceive and resolve conflict is directly related to relational health. And so this is the word I want you to remember. If you want to have healthy relationships, get really good at extending forgiveness easily and quickly. Everybody say easily, one, two, three. Easily and quickly, one, two, three. Quickly. That's what you've got to do. Resolve it fast. I'll never forget in premarital counseling, Pastor Nigel Aline looked at my wife Lexi and I, and he talked about the number one reason for divorce, and it wasn't money or sex. That was probably two and three, but the number one reason is we don't know how to resolve conflict. Nope. We just let it fester and cause a root of bitterness and then a divide and then a mistrust and then a blazing arguments and pretty soon you don't know who each other is anymore. Get good at extending forgiveness easily and quickly, amen? That's our objective. And so the rest of this sermon, I wanna help you apply that word to your life. I want you to know it's rooted in the scripture, but Paul said sometimes in Corinthians, he would say, 
The Lord says this, uh, and then he would say, I say this, but not the Lord. And what he was trying to show us is that uh, when the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom to apply the word of God, uh, you're never going to say anything that goes against the word, but you're going to apply it in very specific ways in your culture, in your life today. And so I'm going to give you some, uh, I don't know everything, but I, I have some things about resolving conflict. I've resolved a lot of them. Uh, I've got more to probably, but, um, you know, so I'm going to share four things about our responsibilities in relational conflict and then show you a practical way of how to resolve something. There's three things we are responsible for uh, related to conflict. The first is that it is my responsibility. Everybody say, my responsibility. We got to take responsibility to continue to forgive because I have been utterly forgiven. That's our responsibility. We have to continue to forgive. As soon as you say no to forgiveness, you say no to God's forgiveness. It is my responsibility to continue to forgive. Now, I don't want to get too much into the weeds with uh, all sorts of bad situations you could be in. We never want you to be in a dangerous situation or a damaging situation. I'm not talking about that. I'm giving you general wisdom from God's word. Uh, if you need specific counsel, we need to know about that, and sometimes we need professional help in those areas. But it is my responsibility to continue to forgive. I see this in Ephesians 4, 32, where it says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, we've been utterly forgiven. I, I wonder if you know that if you're in Christ today, when you sin tomorrow, your sin has already been paid for upon the cross of Christ over 2,000 years ago. He paid for it all in one moment. It says he shall never be sacrificed again. You have been utterly forgiven. Now we're still called to confess our sins continually so that our heart recognizes the identity God's given us. But church, you have a new identity if you're in Christ today. You are either unforgiven or utterly forgiven, but you're nowhere between. You haven't had just your past forgiven. All of your sin, all of your sin, past, present, and future, all forgiven in one instant on the cross of Christ and attributed to your new identity in Christ the day that you said, Jesus, you're my Lord. Come on in. Man, isn't that awesome? And because we've been utterly forgiven, it's my responsibility to continue to forgive. Forgive others from the immeasurable forgiveness you've received from God. Amen? Second responsibility. It is my responsibility to pursue peace with all people. It's my responsibility to pursue peace with all people. I see this in Romans 12, 18. It says very clearly, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. And notice it says, so far as it depends on you. It takes two to tango, doesn't it? I don't tango, but if I did, it takes two. It's my responsibility to pursue peace. Um, I want to share three attitudes that might help you do that. The first is by having a humble and reasonable spirit. That's where it said, uh, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. By initiating difficult conversations to repair relationships. If you want to be at peace, you have to start hard conversations sometimes. I see this in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, you've got to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And then third, how do we pursue peace? By always being open to reconciliation. 
Doesn't mean you think it's going to happen or it's going to be easy. You've got to be open. And it says in Matthew 18, 22, Jesus says not seven, but 72 or 77 times. We've got to continually be open to reconciliation. And so secondly, it's my responsibility to pursue peace with all people. Third today, this is our last responsibility. I'll switch it up on the fourth one. Uh, It is my responsibility to walk with a clear conscience. So you can go about the letter of the law. You can do everything Jesus said and your heart and your mind still be in turmoil. You know what I'm talking about? You can be doing all the things they say you should do and you still got to check in your spirit. You've got an uneasiness. You've got a bit of a, a wrestling match going on in your mind. And you say, I'm doing what it says, but I just don't feel good about it. That might be the Holy Spirit. It's my responsibility to walk with a clear conscience. It says in 1 Peter 3, verse 16, I have to have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, you can't just do right. You've got to know that you're doing right. You've got to feel that you're doing what God specifically wants you to do. This is talking about in this context when you're doing something right and someone is still accusing you of doing something wrong. You've got to be willing to even take that. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This upside-down kingdom is a result of utter forgiveness. Jesus wants us to walk with a clear conscience. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, but with me, this is Paul speaking, he says, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. This is weird. He says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. In other words, church, let's say you're at odds with someone right now. If you're not, you probably will be soon, right? You can say amen. Uh, You will be soon. And I want you to have a clear conscience. And how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to forgive because you've been utterly forgiven and pursue peace with all people and then do so with a clear conscience? Well, this verse says, it's not even our judgment of ourselves that makes us in the clear. We have to ask God, am I or do I need to continue to pursue, pursue, pursue. I do believe, church, there is a time where you are released from doing so. But before we go there, if the Lord doesn't release you, these former things must be our attitude. And when I say release you, you are never released from being ready for new forgiveness and fresh reconciliation. We are never released from that. But you're not called to toxicity. And I will show you that also. Fourth, it is not my responsibility to repair every relationship. It's not my responsibility to repair every relationship. Let me show you why. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, those of you who are married and having a hard time Do not take my words as license today to throw in the towel on your covenant. Do not do that. I'm giving you general wisdom. If you want to apply these words to your life, you need more precise counsel. We want you to respond on your connect card saying, call me. I need a little bit of help. If possible, so far as it depends on you, because it takes two, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
It doesn't say you got to be best buddies. It doesn't mean that you got to be together all the time. It says you need to have peace. And don't you want that? And it says in Matthew 18, 17, after you confront a brother or a sister who has harmed you, who's done something wrong to hurt your relationship, it says uh, you're supposed to get, we're, we're about to walk through Matthew 18 in a moment, and you're going to go grab your brother and go together, a mediator. And then if they don't listen to that, you're going to go to the whole church and listen to the result. It says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, that person is now an outsider in your life. That person is now an outsider. There is a time where there's a level of toxicity and an unreciprocated spirit of reconciliation that it's okay, you have to continue to forgive, continue to be open to reconciling, so if things change, you're not the problem. You've got to continue to be ready for peace, but you can let it go. And thank God that he lets us do that because it's not always possible to repair every relationship. We're kind of messed up, aren't we? And it's just tough sometimes. And God knows that. So the remainder of our time, we're going to walk through. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. If you don't have a copy of God's word, this is our very favorite thing to put in your hand. Uh, I just shared a little bit ago. Somebody called me and donated uh, 50 new Bibles this week. We're so thankful. It's our favorite thing to give away. And so if you need one, we keep those in the back of the room. Uh, Josh has those right here. If you lift your hand up, he will bring one to you. And that's, that's yours to keep uh, so that you can hear from God on your own. So if you slip your hand up in here or if you're online, let us know. We'll drop one right to you. Uh, but we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, uh, and this is a, a beautiful passage about how to repair relational roadblocks. Yeah, some of you guys still need Bible. Just throw your hand up. He'll come to you. He'll see you. Um, you know, th this, we're going to be in verse 15 of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. And uh, this is a beautiful passage. I'm going to let you guys keep turning there as I give a bit of context. Um, just before this occasion... Uh, the disciples have had an argument about who's the best. Uh, then there's a, a quick word where Jesus says we got to make sure we don't mess up other people and make them sin. And then he talks about if someone strays from him, how passionately he will go to pursue them. And so now Jesus turns to how that impacts our relationships with one another. And the reason I give you this context is because we forgive because we've been utterly forgiven. We forgive because Jesus forgave us. We forgive because Jesus pursued us and made peace by the blood of his cross. And therefore, we want to do that with one another. We want our church to be unified. And we want to be peacemakers in our community that Jesus would call you blessed. Do you know what the word blessed means? Happy. Happy are the peacemakers, it says in Matthew 5. And so let's read this passage, Matthew 18, 15 to 20. It will be on the screen, but I'd love for you to find it in your copy. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Therefore I say to you, or truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. I want to go and just explain uh, some key ideas from this passage. We're going to start back at verse 15 now, and I'm just going to rattle off. Maybe you needed one of these statements, maybe a couple of them. Uh, just write down whatever impacts you and you think you could apply. The first thing I see here is that this passage assumes we have the common thread that unites us, Jesus. In other words, this isn't going to work with everybody. This is God's plan. This is God's pattern. But if we're not united in Jesus, we don't have a common ground. It's like my kids making up new rules to the game. People aren't abiding by this. But if you have a brother or sister, I will hold them to this. In this church, if you have a conflict with someone and you come and tell me about it, I'm going to say, have you talked to that person you just told me about yet? Because that's what it says to do, right? Isn't that hard to do? It's hard to be the one to bring up when someone's hurt you. And so second, no gossip. In the world, the offending party is usually the last to hear of their offense. They they caught it on social media, right? Put them on blast, right? Ah, you got to go right to that person. And you think, man, they should come to me. But no, third, the offended one is responsible to start the conversation, not the other way around. It would make it a lot easier if the person who messed up was the one that had to go say, I'm sorry. But that's not what God's word says. And you know why that is? Because they might not know that they've hurt you. And so if you've been hurt or wounded by someone... You don't want to hold that over their head or you'll have a root of bitterness that produces a fruit of bitterness and makes you a poison to yourself and everyone. You want to forgive. And to forgive, you have to initiate the conversation. You've got to go directly to the person and start the conversation. I'm going to teach you how to do that in just a moment. Fourth, uh, we are working to win our brother or sister, not the argument. Check that out. It says, if you do that, verse 15, you have gained what? What does it say? You gained your brother It didn't say you've won the argument. You catching me? You're there to win your brother or sister, not the argument, because you're a team. Your brother or sister, that's not the enemy. The difference between you is the enemy. It's not you or them. You're a team working together to resolve something. That's God's way. Fifth, it says we're to bring witnesses, mediators, not muscle or henchmen. Okay, (laughs) you're you're to bring a mediator, a counselor, someone who loves the both of you, someone with wise judgment. It says, take one or two others along with you. That doesn't mean your people. That means all of your people, not not just your side. You don't just sort of stack them up and go have a fight. That's not, no, no, no. You take somebody who's got all of your interest at heart, that is not emotionally charged like you are, so that they can help bring clarity to God's wisdom in your relationship, amen? Next, the offender doesn't have to agree, but has to listen to how their actions have affected the other, their actions have affected the other person. This is really interesting. If you check out verse 17, it talks about the word listen a lot. It doesn't say agree. It says if someone listens to you. So if you come to me and say, Wes, you did this and it made me really mad, I have to listen to you. I don't have to agree that I did something wrong, But if my heart is tender, I will probably still say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. It doesn't mean I did something wrong. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But if you come to me and you initiate like you're supposed to and say, Wes, you hurt me in this way. 
I've been wounded in such and such a way. I don't have to agree, but I do have to listen. And when you listen with a loving and a tender heart, it's really easy to say, I'm sorry I hurt you. We got to get good at being quick and easy to forgive, right? Quick and easy to forgive. It ought to just come right out of us because we know the wealth that we've been forgiven from. Man, when you're an utterly forgiven person and you know it, it makes you quicker and more easily to forgive. Now it says we are allowed to be at peace if the person won't listen. That's what I see in verse 17. We are allowed to be at peace if the other person won't listen. And again, don't use my words as license to write off somebody forever. That's not what it says. You can never write off somebody forever. It took Paul, even with a good friend, to the last chapter in all of Scripture he would ever write before he was executed for his faith. And in the last chapter, we can see his relationship was reconciled. Praise God. But it's not always possible. And so we are allowed to be at peace if the other person won't listen. I've got two more things in Matthew 18. The judgment that we weigh, verse 19, on unrepented non-listeners carries weight in heaven. Wow. Heaven will confirm God's word about unforgiveness and unrepentance. This doesn't mean you can reach up to heaven and move things around. It means that when you get there, if you are in line with the Spirit of God, you will find up there what you felt down here. You will discover that when you forgave people, God forgave people because you were in line with his forgiveness. And you will also discover that if you say this person is removed as a Gentile or a tax collector and they're not forgiving you, the weight of God's word will hold true for them also. This is a scary truth. People abuse this sentence and take it out of context frequently because it sounds good to say, whatever you bind on heaven, in heaven is bound in heaven and loosed in heaven. You know, it feels good. But think about what you're doing. Do you really want to bind up your brother or your sister in heaven? I want to loose people from the weight of their sin. I don't want to hold it over their head. Don't say that with confidence and self-centered spirit. Say, thank you, God, for forgiving me so that I can loose the chains that other people are bound by. That even when they don't know they need to be forgiven, I will forgive again. That even when they're not ever going to reconcile, I want them to be reconciled, even though it's hard. Carry that spirit amongst you. And finally, the presence of Jesus in the last verse there, 20, the presence of Jesus among us as it relates to prayer emphasizes his supernatural power to restore relationships. Another verse taken out of context all the time. It's like if Jesus is not going to hear you when you pray by yourself. He said, well, there's two or three gathered. I mean, how many times, uh, those of you who have been to prayer meetings, we're going to be doing a lot here coming soon. But if you've been to a prayer meeting, say, two or three are gathered, Jesus hears me. No, he always hears you. You know what Jesus does specifically when two or three are gathered? There is power to restore relationships. Sometimes you going to your brother or your sister is not enough. You need another brother or sister so that that brother feels the power of Jesus to restore relationships. It is very easy with one person in your life to get out of alignment and to not know how to fix it. But it is difficult when you have a brother or sister who loves both of you, walking with you, and you both listen to Jesus. 
it is difficult not to restore the relationship. Anytime I've been in a situation where I or I have helped someone and there's been a mediator present, there is a very low likelihood that your relationship will not be reconciled. And so Jesus wants you to know when you grab a brother or sister, his presence is with you in power, amen? Some of you right now just realized for the first time part of the challenge you're having in your, your key relationships at work and at home is that you've never had a mediator. You've been going it alone. And so you're always arguing, you don't know what to do. And you need somebody to come between you and put an arm over here and an arm over here and say, man, I love you guys. I love you guys. I want to see you at peace. We're going to have to do some work, aren't we? Can I show you how to do that? I'm going to get, I'm not going to get out of the word of God, but this is where, where Paul says, I, not the Lord. So don't, don't take me as scripture. I'm going to be very, very, very practical now. I preach the word. I want to tell you how to have a hard conversation, okay? This is what I would do, what I would recommend to you. And before I do that, a little caveat from Matthew 18 that matters a lot to our church. Don't bring your unresolved junk from your last church in here. Don't bring it in here and try to get a fresh start. We don't need that. I'm going to send you right back to resolve it, and then you can determine if the Lord wants you to be here or not. Understand? Just a little, little moment. Uh, you know, I don't want to be too hard, but... I got junk too, okay, don't worry. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying don't bring your junk in here. Take it to the dump at the foot of the cross and with the person that you've got a conflict with. Don't come in here and rinse and repeat. We are gonna be a church that connects intentionally by forgiving easily and quickly, amen? Don't you wanna be part of a family that forgives easily and quickly because we've been utterly forgiven by Jesus? That's the family I want. We hurt each other all the time, but we wanna be the first to say I'm sorry. The first to let people off the hook. The first to say, I'm, I love you. Ah, man, we just, that's not what I, that's not what I want to do. Sometimes I've catched myself saying, that's not um, what I meant to say. And I realize that is what I meant to say. But that's not who I want to be. I'm sorry. Can I have another chance, please? You with me? Okay. Let's get really practical. It takes greater courage much greater courage to have a hard conversation and attack a problem together than to ditch the relationship. It takes way more courage to, <laughs> to attack a problem together, to have a hard conversation. It's easier to ditch the relationship, isn't it? Let's go down the road to a new one. Let's get a new spouse. Let's get a new workplace. Let's get a new neighbor. Let's get a new friend. Let's get a new church. Don't we do that? It takes way more courage. So let me show you how to have a hard conversation. First, meditate. Meditate. Now, what you meditate on is what matters. Meditate on God's forgiveness of your mistakes. I promise you, the more you think about that, the more you'll be able to quickly and easily forgive. Ask God for love and forgiveness for the other person. Say, God, help put your compassion, your forgiveness in my heart so that I'm not holding any grudges, I have no bitterness, I'm not a poison, I'm not closed off, because it's easier to be closed off. If you keep your heart open, it's willing to be hurt, and that stinks. We're defensive and self-protective, but you know what? My wife reminds me all the time, she says, Wes, you've got nothing to protect and nothing to, nothing to prove. Nothing to protect and nothing to prove. God holds my reputation. God holds my relationships. 
You, church, have nothing to protect and nothing to prove. You know what that lets you do? Forgive. And continue to be open to forgive. So first, meditate. Meditate on God's forgiveness of your mistakes. Ask God for love and forgiveness for the other person. Second, everybody say calibrate. Mm-hmm, calibrate. Calibrate your body and your emotions before having a difficult conversation. It's Proverbs 15.1. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you go into a conversation all wound up, you're going to mess it all up. Anybody started a conversation, been a little too hot when you started, you know? Just stop a second. After you meditate, calibrate. Just wait. Wait until you're chill. Wait until it's the right time. And check the other person, too. If they look wound up, hold off. Hold off a minute. Calibrate. Make sure. Deep breaths, you know. <laughs> Deep breaths. Like, okay. My body is, my nervous system, my adrenaline, down, down. I'm rested because I've meditated on forgiveness. He has slowed my voice down. He has calmed my tone. He has helped me speak more slowly. I love this person. Okay. Help me forgive. Now I'm ready to initiate. Now I'm ready to initiate. Meditate, calibrate, initiate. I can't rhyme any more than that. It's all you get. So I'm going to show you how to initiate now in a few steps. It's time to initiate, to start the conversation. The first thing I want you to do is to affirm the team. Affirm that the other person or you, that's not the problem. God can reconcile anything between two people, I promise you. He's done it time and time again. He'll do it for you. So you've got to affirm the team. Affirm the positive aspects of your relationship and that you want to resolve a challenge together as a team. Say, so, hey, you and me, yeah, there's something that's hurt me. There's, there's an issue going on. But the reason I want to bring it up to you is because you're worth it. The reason I want to bring it up to you is because I believe we can find a way forward. The reason I, I, I want to initiate this, even though it's hard, it'd be easier to ignore it or just to go past it or to say it's not that big of a deal, even though I know it is, it's because I, I love you. It's because I, I want to work through this together as a team. Can we do that? Can we? We don't have a conflict, right? We're good, right, James? We're good, but thanks, brother. We've got to affirm the team. Next, take responsibility. Now, this one's really important, and most of us don't do it. Take responsibility for everything you can. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry that you felt hurt. I'm sorry that maybe I did something wrong. Even if I don't think I did something wrong, I said maybe I still did, though. I'm not really agreeing with you, but the fact that you feel that way just makes me sorry. Uh, I'm sorry that whatever. <laughs> Take responsibility for everything you can. What, you got nothing to protect and nothing to prove. Why not just be wronged? Jesus has already utterly forgiven you. Why not just let it, let it be? Why not just be at peace? Just say, man, I'm not perfect. You're right. When someone accuses you of something, you say, yeah, you're right. I'm a sinner. Forgiven by grace. And I'm getting better, more like Jesus every day. Right? Take responsibility for everything you possibly can. Just go ahead and be first. Just write a list. These are all the ways I messed up. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom in that. Third, engage without attacking. This is so important. When you heap on insults about a person instead of about the problem, you are so damaging. Listen, 
Engage without attacking. Engage the problems without attacking the person. Engage the difficult parts without attacking, attacking character or identity. Don't attack them. Share, do, do this. Share that fill in the blank happened and it made me feel blank. You said this and this is how it made me feel. You didn't attack the person. You just told them what happened in your perspective. Now we can have a conversation because I've affirmed the team, I've taken responsibility and I'm engaging because I love you, but I'm not trying to throw stones at you. I'm trying to just share with you what happened and then I can listen to you share what happened. And then we can work together to repair relational roadblocks. Engage without attacking. Fourth out of five, learn through questions. I was talking to my wife about this this week and she said, uh, mention that again, you said it last week. Uh, learn through questions. Ask for acknowledgement of the problem and discuss a solution together. So this is what happened in my opinion. Uh, this is what happened and then this is how it made me feel. What do you think? Ask questions. How'd that make you feel? Um, can you help me understand why you said that? Can you help me understand? I had an old pastor you say, can you help me understand in front of everything? And it was so great. Um, can you help me understand? So I'm seeking to understand. Isn't that, you know, you love it when someone's asking you questions not to be manipulative, but to try to understand. If you don't want to understand, don't ask any questions. That's just manipulation. But if you want to understand because you want to repair the relationship, ask good questions. And finally, practice, practice active listening. Anybody know what that is? Active listening? I try to do this all the time. Uh, it's to make sure you're fully on the same page. Uh, so you said to me, uh, in this latest conflict, he says, Sally said that she didn't uphold her end of the deal and the whole office is now in trouble on our numbers, but it's really Sally's fault. And so you go up and you say, so how you feel is that Sally, someone goes up to her, this is a terrible analogy, this isn't gonna work. Uh, why do I, why'd I pick Sally in an office? That's way easier to pick on you know, romantic relationships. I'm not even gonna keep going down that path, that's just terrible. <laughs> Preach the word, Wes, no more analogies. When someone tells you what they experienced and what they felt, repeat what they said, like this. So what you're saying is, is that right? So what you're saying is that I said this and it made you feel that, is that correct? That's what it means to practice active listening, okay? You with me? We're at the end here, I can't help you any more than this, that's all I got. If we're gonna connect intentionally, we've got to, remember our big idea? Forgive quickly and easily. Everybody say quickly and easily. This is how I would recommend you have hard conversations. Meditate on God's forgiveness of your mistakes. Ask God for love and forgiveness for the other person. Second, calibrate. Make sure your body, emotions, everything's down, in check, ready to handle things you don't want to hear. Feel me? You're going to hear them. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not going to let my emotions get the best of me and make a mistake that I don't need to. Third, initiate through five things. Affirm that you're a team. Take responsibility for everything you can. Learn through questions and then repeat through active listening to make sure. Now, if things get heated, agree to take a designated break and continue the conversation after a few minutes. There's nothing wrong with that. Agree. Not, we're not quitting. We're not leaving. We're just going to, can I have a few minutes, please? 
Can we come back at, oh, let's say four o'clock and continue the conversation? So church, to bring this all around, if you have conflict in your life, you're normal. I had somebody call me this week and uh, two different uh, couples here ask about a marriage counseling and I said, yep, what you're talking about sounds really normal. I had somebody else say, do you do like life coaching? I was like, yep, because Jesus came to bring us life and he is a good coach. Sometimes you need some help, don't you? So, yep, we want you to have the abundant life, John 10, 10, that Jesus called you into. And sometimes to have abundant life, you're gonna need some help. I don't know what you need to do to respond to this word today. Try to be really practical for you. I wanna invite the band to come on up. I think the best thing I could do for you is ask this question we ask at the end of every week. What is your next step with Jesus today? What is your next step with Jesus today? And whatever it is, if you would trust us enough to journey with you so you're not walking alone, write down whatever he tells you on that connect card. That connect card, just write down whatever he tells you. If it's a prayer request, write that down. If it's any of those check boxes on the front, write that down. If, you, if I said marriage counseling and you said me, write that down. And we will uh, call you or text you tomorrow to follow up. We would love the journey with you so that we can be a church that connects intentionally with one another. We don't just relate by happenstance. We want the healthiest relationships seen under the sun so that people will know that Jesus is different. When Jesus is there among you, he is there with you in power. I wonder if you've let him in on all of your important relationships in the marketplace, in the neighborhood, in your friend circle, in your church, and especially at home. Can I pray for you? Father, as I wrote that sentence this week, it takes much greater courage to have a hard conversation and attack a problem together than to ditch a relationship. I am very aware that it is true. And I just know many of us are wrestling with that today. First, we pray, Lord, that if there's anyone that hasn't received reparation, reconciliation, redemption, because of the blood of Jesus, that they would not leave today before being reconciled to God. That they would ask and have the courage to repair that relationship first. And for all of us who have experienced that, Lord, would you radically transform our attitude and the way we relate to one another? Because I am sure that this week, many of us will make mistakes in relationships. We will need forgiveness and we will need to extend forgiveness quickly and easily to one another. Thank God that by your Holy Spirit, we can do that. We can do that. We can be peacemakers, unity builders. And as it says in your word, when we are one, the world will know who Jesus is. That's what we're after. So we ask for your help right now to courageously respond and write down during this song what it is you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen.